on this episode of AV Week, the importance of JITC certification, training technology managers and end users, and raising up mentors in the AV industry. All that and more next on AV Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is AV Week, episode 417, recorded Friday, August 16th, 2019. The end end user. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Sure, Sound Extraordinary, and by Atlona, the go to provider for AV signal distribution and control in corporate, higher education, and residential spaces, and by Daylight, the leading producer of high-quality projection screens worldwide. This is AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Tim Albright. I am your host with us to discuss the news and information we have gathered this week. First and foremost, my friend from uh, Southern California. Her name is Corey Schaefer, and she is from QSC. Welcome, ma'am. Thank you, Tim, for having me. Absolutely. Uh, also with us, uh, a first-timer, so uh, Corey, be nice to him. His name is Chris Salazar Mangrum from USAV Group. Welcome, sir. Yeah. Thank you both. Very honored to be here with you. Absolutely. Welcome, Chris. Absolutely. Uh, quickly, before we get started, um, the folks who do our newsletter have uh, done a really good job of, of redesigning it. So if you haven't signed up for that, you can do that on our website. So sign up for that if you would, please. Uh, our top story today comes to us uh, from Crestron. Crestron has announced their DM NVX line is the first AV over IP, AV over IP solution to receive JITC certifications. JITC stands for the Joint Interoperability Test Command. They are the group responsible for testing network appliances for use by government agencies, such as the Department of Defense. In checking the database uh, today, Crestron is currently, uh, they are right, they're currently the only AV over IP solution. Uh, there are other uh, AV over category cable solutions, but nobody uh, that fits at least AV Nation's definition of AV over IP, which is you have to go through a network and, and all that jazz. Uh, before we continue with the story, Crestron is an underwriter of AV Nation. Chris, I'm actually going to start with you on this. Uh, as you're talking with dealers and, and, and your members, what do you guys see the benefits of a company getting JITC certification? Yeah, so first, my, my first takeaway um, with that article was just, just wow. Um, you know, really a, a first to market advantage, um, you know, in that AV over IP technology space. So it's not just being compliant, but it's also being certified. Uh, I think that is a a tremendous advantage, not only for the product, but from an integrator or end user because cybersecurity is becoming such a trending topic with anything networked. Uh, having the ability to install within a network a product offering that is hardened um, and tested and then also certified you know, by uh, a NIST standard, if you will, cybersecurity standard, it's, uh, it's, it's a great value proposition. Uh, that I think that integrators can drive to their end users and the end users can feel comfortable with getting the product installed on the network. I also think it's brilliant on the Crestron side because uh, many large government projects are often specified and so they can go in with a hard spec that says that they're certified, not just compliant, and really write the spec around that. Absolutely. Well, let me ask you, Chris. You you said that 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 it, you see it as a as a differentiator, as a as a you know advantage as, as dealers go in. 
do you see it as an advantage even if they're not dealing with the government, the U.S. government? I think so because the end users are becoming more, uh, I guess, aware of the cybersecurity vulnerabilities with networked equipment. Um, as those IT departments are more aware of what's going on in the network, you know, the easier it is to have those conversations when proposing uh, a solution or an offering that has a certifi certified technology component to it. So I think it may not necessarily ease the conversation, but at least it, it provides credibility to the conversation. All right. Uh, we're going to put a, a link on, on this pages, this, this episode's pages website with a link to the database that you can check out and you can knock yourself out and search for whoever you want. Uh, Corey, we, we, before we, we did this show, we did check for QSC. QSC currently does not have anything. Uh, but if somebody comes to you and says, you know what, Corey, I, I, I'm, I'm sold on QSIS, I'm sold on, on, on this, that, and the other. Uh, I'd love to put it into this, this government installation, but we're currently not. What would be the process or, or, or how would we go about getting uh, a product from a manufacturer? And, and you, you're the manufacturer here. Yeah. Getting that, you know, getting that, that ball rolling. So uh, we would take that to our team internal that does, uh, that oversees certifications. And we would look at uh, what that process is. And we would also look at the overall project and then future projects. And, and if this becomes an inhibitor to help to QSC, getting in projects, obviously it's something that we're going to not only look at, but likely just get done. Uh, and, but if it, if it's brought up for a particular current job, these certifications um, tend to be a bit slow in the process. So it's probably something that we would have to pass on the current job, but definitely something to look at and be on the radar. So reading the article and looking at potential opportunities uh, moving forward, I, I think that's, uh, that's definitely something I'm feeding internal with QSC. Yeah, but the other side of that is government jobs take forever too. So, you know, they're, True. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Chris, as we wrap up here, one of the things that, that uh, Crestron made, made some, some hay out of the fact that they were the first and, and currently the only AV over IP. You said that's a brilliant, you know, good first to market uh, with that certification. Yeah. How soon before the next one do you see? And Corey's right. Government certifications do take quite a long, quite a long time. We, we're not aware of, because you can't search that uh, in, in a publicly available database. You can't search who's, who's in the process. How long do you think before the next AV over IP uh, solution, it, it becomes JITC certified? I think we'll see, in my opinion, I think we'll see um, more, more in the short term, uh, okay. because there is also, you know, there's that first to market advantage Arguably, there's some disadvantage as well, right? But whatever that in between is, it still raises the awareness of, hey, this is this is something that's important. It it helps. Um, it's really the trend and where we're going. I think with these converged technologies, so I think there will be a lot more um, emphasis or a focus now uh, as far as getting the certifications or at least heading down that path to figure out really the landscape because it's a complex la landscape, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think it's just now raising the awareness and getting that education, end users, manufacturers, integrators, partners, associations. Um, it's going to be really a forefront conversation. And, and, and the next step in this is just going to be how to evolve and, and emerge. All right, very good. Our right, next story uh, actually has to do with a couple organizations that we have a lot of uh, respect for, AQAV and the AV User Group. Uh, they have both announced a new partnership between the two. AQAV is the association for quality in audiovisual, uh, Mario Maltese and his group 
have brought education and commissioning to thousands of AV professionals over the years. The AV User Group has over 1,500 members globally, and they help bring the concerns of tech managers to the dealers and manufacturers. They've, uh, last year or two, they've started uh, branching into the U.S. as well. I know they have a New York meeting, uh, Silicon Valley meeting, and, and a, was, it, was it the Silicon Valley meeting, Corey, that you were at up in, in San Jose, or was it Southern California? Um, it, it's uh, in the San Jose area, and actually, we I do the New York one as well. So okay. they've been in New York, uh, I want to say, like five years, and then in Silicon Valley, about one October will be one year. October, yeah. Okay. So this new new partnership actually brings AQAV's educational tracks to AV user uh, group members. Uh, Corey, I actually want to start with you on this. When it comes, you mentioned the fact that you're, you're both the, the U.S. ones. Uh, every year at ISC, there's a big AV user group meeting. Um, they're they're based out of out of uh, out of the UK. Yeah. Yep. Um, where do where do manufacturers fit in into this whole getting into in front of end users? Um, when it comes to you know bringing you know their offerings, obviously you guys don't sell to end users, and I'm not aware of any major manufacturer currently selling directly to end users. But you guys are, are you know, QSC is and, and a number of other manufacturers are making really good inroads. You're bringing your solutions and and uh, and your your uh, arguments and, and your pitch to straight to end users. Right. So the end user audience is very critical to a company like QSC, and especially when you're talking corporate enterprise, mm-hmm. because the big goal for companies like QSC is to get into their global standards. And uh, once you're in the standard, then uh, these end users typically have, you know, three to five room types that they're rolling out globally. And so we've been involved in the UK, the Hong Kong group, I I mean, many of the AV user group locations and being able to speak directly to them so we can really learn from them. What are they looking for from us? And uh, and who are they uh, sourcing equipment from, and where are their projects at globally, so we can make sure that uh, we are able to supply them products. So we're able to learn a lot from being a part of the AV users group. One of the number one topics that comes up from these users is training, because they often feel that once a project is installed and then they go into full deployment, that that's really been a miss by uh, maybe by us as manufacturers or the channel. So they want to have the training to, to know how to run systems and not have to rely on channel partners for that. So that is a common thing. I did a, um, a couple of sessions during Infocom as well with end users on my panel talking about best practices for global standards. And in, in creating standards is always the training aspect of it. So uh, this is definitely a topic um, at that end user level because they typically they're part of the IT team, these AV guys and these large um, companies. And, but yet they're, they're a small group that has to support all these deployments globally. So training is critical. Yeah, that's interesting. So, if I may. Because mm-hmm. uh, the voice of the end user, I think, as you're highlighting, is very... Uh, relevant, important, especially as manufacturer, even um, integrators, of course, because of their that's their client. But regardless, the point you, you're making about the training aspect, it's once you implement the technologies, once they implement the technologies, then getting trained, and it's really driving that user adoption, right? So it's really the change management user adoption piece that uh, I've heard as well, I mean, with any project that you do, right? It's always that post-implementation support, so... Uh, I just wanted to, I just, just hearing that, it just raised a couple of ideas in my mind about 
few things that we have talked about, at least internally with my group, um, and that user adoption post-implementation. And Chris, at QSC, we do QSIS training. We have QSIS online and then QSIS level two, which is a two-day in-person. Then we have control training, QSIS control online, mm -hmm. and then uh, QSIS control in-room training. And we have seen over the last three years a big change in the audience of that. So it's typically what was always the integrator. But now we have in every single training session that we do in person, there's always a really good mix of end users as well. And on the control side, they're looking at that user interface. And, you know, many times when you deploy a project, you think you know what you want on the user interface and then things change or maybe logo changes or, I mean, there could be a variety of things that happen. And then to just want to change that to, you know, they want to be able to manage that internally. You mean it never goes as planned? Yeah, never goes as planned. Well, and it depends. And I'm talking as a former tech manager here. So you can give me a little bit of leeway here. You're going to run into a professor somewhere that says, well, I don't, what is that called? Why, why is that called that? Right. Yeah. And for years, document cameras, uh, at least at the college that I worked at, were called Elmo's. Uh, now it, it was a Kleenex, right? It was that was the Kleenex room because Elmo was at that time the primary uh, manufacturer of the the document cameras that we used, and so we had an entire um, nursing building we, we put up, gorgeous facility, um, and the integrator that did it, it was, we, we subbed it out because it was a large deployment. They put DocCam, D O C C A M, yeah. and we had to go go in and change the interface to Elmo. Mm -hmm. now, there's no rhyme or reason for that, right? I, I, I doesn't make any sense to me. I'm not going to go through and, and change the DVD player to Sony or Panasonic or whatever, but it's what the end end user wanted, right? Again, yeah. in that's the thing with tech managers, right? And, and, and Corey, I'm going to bring you back on this. They are the end user as far as, as you know, manufacturers are concerned and, and dealers are concerned, but they're not the end end user, right? And that's a right. thing that you guys can help them understand how to talk to their customers. Yeah. Good point. Yeah, I mean, that that was, you know, when I was, I, I did two sessions at Infocom talking, they were end users on my panel, but they're not the end, end user to your point. But they were talking about things that they put in place to support the end, end user and how they're able to get budget approval for technology, how they uh, create um, the, all their documentation for things, how they create user interface. I mean, and just really sharing best practices because deployment, especially the global level or the enterprise global level, they're, they're just really, really fast. So it used to be, you know, you'd have typically a quarter to get a job done. We have customers that are turning jobs, wanting a, a job to be, here's our PO to completion in like 30 days. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, sometimes as manufacturers that can't even deliver the product fast enough. Jobs are going fast. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, uh, final story here, guys. A little bit, little bit of sad news. Um, the last of Shen Milsom and Wilkie has passed away. Industry veteran Hubert Wilkie uh, was 98. Wilkie opened the first AV consultancy ever, uh, what, what's widely seen as the first one, in the mid-1960s, eventually joining forces uh, with Fred Shen and Dennis Milsom. Milsom. Uh, to form the famous uh, AV consulting firm. Actually, Wilkie came out of retirement to join Shen and Milsom, which is even more fascinating to me. Uh, the fact that that Shen and Milsom, uh, they had an acoustic uh, firm. They, they saw the need for multidisciplinary 
firm and they, they, they talked Wilkie out of retirement. Wilkie was honored uh, with the Infocom Lifetime Achievement Award in 2004. Reading all of these honors and thoughtful words this week, the one thing that kept standing out to me was mentor. Mentor, he, he apparently would mentor anybody that would, that, that would, would, would uh, come across his path. I want to start with something, and Chris, we'll start with you on this. What, what can we take away from this life of, of apparently uh, a lot of mentorship and, and, and pouring into the next generation? And how can we kind of, you know, build our own futures and our, and our own legacies around that? Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, what Mr. Wilkie had provided at least the industry. Um, it's something that I'm pretty passionate about as well. So I didn't, I didn't know Mr. Wilkie directly or indirectly, but I did enjoy reading his life's work, um, his legacy. Um, he seemed like a remarkable man. The impact he had on this industry, I think we're probably seeing a crossover to other industries as well. And what that shows is, you know, really from a visionary's perspective, um, you know, the, the possibilities are limitless. And I think from a mentor's perspective and having that next generation, the next in line coming up, um, it's, it's, it's more pertinent now to really engage the next generation, or at least start thinking about how are the visionaries going to begin passing the torch and not only leaving their own legacy, but leaving at least a path for someone else to blaze that trail, right? The next, next person up. Um, so, so I, like I said before, I enjoyed reading up on Mr. Wilkie's life work. Um, and I think, you know, he, his work has proved that, you know, what he's established now and what, what's even happening, you know, after his passing is just that there's, there's more runway, you know, there, there's still more to come. And uh, I think he'll be pleasantly delighted uh, as he passed the torch, if you will, and, and sees the next generation grow and evolve. So I, I think, um, you know, again, without knowing him, just thanking him. Yeah, Chris, I didn't know him either, and uh, but in reading all of these things, I certainly knew the firm, you know, Shin Wilson and Wilkie, uh, but, um, you know, reading about his life, I, I think he was just really the, um, I mean, he just sounds like he really created what our industry is about, which when you talk to people about what do you love about the industry, so many people talk about the people in the industry and how amazing this industry is, um, and you know, maybe he blazed the, maybe he created the trail for us, right? So that we would just uh, try to give back and give time to anyone that, that needs it. Because I can, I can think of several people in this industry that do that, you know, and this industry is just, uh, for me anyway, and, and I know for others, it's just been so amazingly kind and generous and giving and and see and in reading about his life i mean this man was that and interesting also that he wasn't a technical geek right so this guy um was more about that people side um and yet started the first you know what was the first consulting firm i mean really fascinating to read about him well, let me ask you guys this and, and, and Corey, we'll, I'll, I'll pick on you for a second Avixa has a number of groups and programs that connect people together, and SCA does as well. Yeah. You were heavily involved in the, in the, the Avixa Women's Council, which is, is a great resource uh, for folks to get, to get mentors. If you're not involved in one of those, if you're not you know, a member of, of the, the women's group, you're not you know, um, part of, of NSCA's Ignite, how do you get a mentor? 
you know, how, how do you go about, you know, tapping somebody on the shoulder and say, can you, can you tell me what you think or tell me how you got here? So um, I, I really think it's up to you. And what I mean by that is before these formal groups throughout my whole career, I've always had a mentor and how I've gotten one. Um, probably my latest one was uh, Dave Bright, uh, who was CEO of Kramer US. And I didn't even know Dave, but I was just at an industry event and I was just really taken by him. And so shortly after that event, I called him up and asked if he would mentor me. And he was, uh, he was generous and said, absolutely. And now he, he's retired and he's out of the industry and he's still doing it. And so, you know, how do you get one? It's, you know, you, you have to recognize that it doesn't matter what stage you are in your career, but a mentor is always helpful. And so being able to have the courage to go, hey, I think this is someone that I could learn from and, and maybe just ask because it would probably be a real honor for them. I mean, uh, for Dave, um, he's, he, he shared with me that one of the things that he wanted once he retired was to be able to do more, give back and do things like that. Uh, so um, I, I think it's, you know, some people aren't comfortable in asking, so maybe they could tell some others, you know, that they're, that they're looking for that and then have that person ask. But I, I think that you have to uh, recognize how important that role is uh, to helping you get, you know, advance or, uh, you know, improve in the industry. And I, I personally think we all need one regardless of what phase you are in your, in your, in the industry. And another one is I'm in a, um, in CompTIA, which is the IT side. And uh, they spend a lot of time talking about the difference between a mentor and a sponsor. So a sponsor has the role of really helping you advance maybe within your company and helping you look with, you know, for growth areas within your company, which is a little bit different than a role of, uh, of a mentor. Yeah. And I think the, the beauty of our industry is, um, and, and I think you pointed this out, Tim, about, about Mr. Wilkie is, um, you know, he, he was yeah, that people person, uh, but it's, it's about the people, but really it's, they, they're very collaborative. And so it's, it's almost as if you're getting mentorship without actually having a formalized mentoring plan. Um, learning a ton, either technical, strategic, soft skills, uh, whatever it may be, just from people that have been in this industry for so long. And I've learned that too, because, you know, being someone, if you will, an outsider to the industry, I've noticed compared to others, just how open and more collaborative the group of um, folks are, which is brilliant, right? That's right up my alley. Um, but as far as, yeah, the, the groups and the associations, what they do, what they provide, you know, we actually do a, what's called next gen and it's, um, those teaching those soft skills is project management. It's, it's, it's different aspects of bringing up the next folks within an organization, but to, a, I think now a higher level, we have to start thinking about within the industry, right? So it's how can they be the next, you know, Mr. Wilkie. Yeah. And Chris, I think that you're talking about the next gen. And I have to say that uh, in the Avixa women's mentoring um, groups that we do, uh, we often spend a lot of time talking about, you know, mentoring traditionally has been, uh, kind of position that it's here's usually here's some it's usually somebody older right but um we talk a lot about reverse mentoring where there's so much to learn from people that are so much younger just um about how to do outreach differently how to connect with people differently i mean there's just so much to learn um you know in all kinds of ways it doesn't have to be somebody that's older who's been there done that I agree. yeah it's um yeah that's brilliant i like that concept of 
the reverse, if you will. Yeah. All right, guys, that'll be a good place to stop it. Thank you both so much. Ms. Corey Schaefer from QSC, thank you. Thank you for having me. And if you want to learn more about QSC, you can go to qsc.com. If you want to find me, you'll find me on uh, the Twitter, on uh, LinkedIn, et cetera, as Corey Schaefer. All right. Very good. Chris, uh, Chris Salazar Mangum from USA Group, AV Group. Thank you, sir. Thank you both. Uh, as I mentioned before, it was an honor to be here. Uh, to find me on the World Wide Web, I guess, uh, personally, uh, Twitter is at ChrisUSAV, LinkedIn, Chris Salazar. Mangrum. Uh, Facebook for the group is USAV Group, or you can visit our website at usavgroup.net. Right, very good. Thank you both so much. Uh, for me, for Tim Albright, don't follow me on the Twitters. You won't like it. Uh, but go by the website if you would, please. Avnation.tv. That's avnation.tv. You will find this program and a host of others. While you're there, please check out our supporters section. These are the folks who help us financially, help us bring you AV Week and Resi Week. And about four weeks' time, Cedia 2019 from the beautiful city of Denver, Colorado, which is actually where Chris Chris is right now. So we'll be head, heading out that way uh, September 12th through the 14th. So all that and more at avnation.tv. That's avnation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. That is all the time we have for AV Week.